everybody, this is Pat Francis from the Rock Solid Podcast, and you're listening to P.F. Wilson's Tape Recorder. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Matt Bronger tells us how he went from sketch to stand-up comedy. It was probably like the third or fourth year I was in in Chicago. I I started going to open mics and just, you know, the attention uh, craving only child in me just loved the fact that I was the only person up there. We'll hear more from Matt in just a little bit. Dave Ramsey does some math about Obamacare, or does he? But first, as always, fake news. Now, fake news with me. A Fargo, North Dakota woman says she was going to give trick-or-treaters what she deemed moderately obese a letter instead of candy this Halloween. I just want to send a message to the parents of kids that are overweight, she said. I think it's just really irresponsible of parents to send them out looking for free candy just because all the other kids are doing it, the woman said in a morning interview with Y94FM. She wouldn't identify herself. The letter stated, your child, in my opinion, is moderately obese and should not be consuming sugar and treats to the extent of some children this Halloween season. She passed out very little candy but received a lot of eggs. Problems with the health care law and perhaps follow-up from the recent government shutdown are taking a toll on President Obama's public standing. The president's approval rating hit a low of 42%, down 5 percentage points from earlier in October. The poll found 51% disapproval of Obama's performance, tied for his all-time high, according to, according to the latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Why is the liberal media reporting on this? Oh, no, wait a second. The NFL has launched its own version of American Idol, allowing anyone, regardless of gender, at least three years removed from high school, to try out for a real live scouts in 19 cities across the U.S. this spring and summer. At the low price of $275, you can try out for an NFL team. It's an extra 50 bucks if you want Simon Cowell to be rude to you. That is the worst pass throwing I've ever seen in my life. You should be doing something else. India's Mars Orbiter mission, the country's first interplanetary foray, is due to blast off on November 5th from the Satish Dhawan Space Center in Srikokrota, India. Built as a pathfinder to test technologies to fly to orbit and communicate from Mars, the satellite follows India's successful 2008-2000 line Chandrayaan-1 moon probe, which discovered water molecules in the lunar soil. The only problem the Indians have at this point is being able to reach someone at the help desk when the spacecraft is experiencing problems. Chocolate-covered potato chip is going mainstream. Lay's, the nation's largest salty snack maker on Friday, announced plans to roll out this week Lay's wavy potato chips dipped in milk chocolate because the company has determined we're not dying fast enough. Move over Ellen Generous and Matt Lauer. Jenny McCarthy may have just won Halloween. Thousands of people may have dressed up as twerking pop star Miley Cyrus this October 31st, but the View co-host Jenny McCarthy decided to up the ante and get a bit more, um, specific. She was Miley Cyrus's tongue. Miley later showed up at a Halloween party as one of Jenny McCarthy's boobs. The agency overseeing Obamacare announced the additions of more government employees to help get the site fixed. And besides government workers, the surge includes employees from Google, as well as employees of software giants Red Hat and Cisco. Text from Craigslist will help develop a section of the site for people to find sketchy medical care. And the new Google operating system Android 4.4 or KitKat was released Thursday. Sources say it was unharmed. And that's been Fake News with me.
people hating Obamacare right now, and uh, some of it deserved, of course, the website issues. Certainly, they made a, a lot of mistakes there, uh, which we uh, may or may not get into later on in this dumb bit. But uh, one of the people that's particularly upset is uh, talk show host Dave Ramsey. And uh, he says he's not upset from an ideological standpoint, even though he kind of is. But here, I'll, I'll have him explain. We struggle in this country that on the right and on the left, that if you think your cause is big enough that you're exempt from doing math. You're not exempt from math if you're a Democrat. You're not exempt from math if you're a Republican. You're not exempt from math if you're a liberal. And you're not exempt from math if you're a conservative. You still have to do math. But apparently for Dave Ramsey, you're exempt from facts and logic. Well, he doesn't think he is. Listen. It's fairly easy to surmise with critical thought what's going to occur. So let me help you with this as an example. January the 1st, every health insurance company in America, if they're going to operate, is required to take anyone, regardless of how ill they are, as a customer. And they cannot charge them more than they charge someone who's not ill. Now that sounded odd to me, but I went and looked it up, and that is in fact accurate. Along with the fact that they cannot turn you down for a pre-existing condition, they cannot charge you more for having a pre-existing condition. And you might think, well, that's a little unfair in a way. And but the way Ramsey explains it is he, he kind of makes you feel sorry for the insurance companies that they have to you know uh, pick up the excess freight here. When in fact he should be spinning it as and like, well, why should you pay the same amount for somebody who hasn't maybe taken care of themselves? Okay. And then he also adds this. Now, that's good if you don't have health insurance and it enables you to get health insurance. I understand the motivation and the nobility and the moral imperative behind that. I get that. Yeah, I don't think you do. But that doesn't change the math. Please explain, Mr. Ramsey. The math is, is that those people get sick more often and run up more medical bills than someone who's healthy. Duh. And if they now have to be covered by the same company that you're covered by, and they're required to take them, they no longer have the option to say, I'm going to turn you away. They're required to take them. Yeah, but if they don't have insurance uh, under the current system that we have had in place, uh, they can go somewhere else that also can't turn them down. A USA Today Gallup poll found that 4 in 10 people have visited an ER in the past year. Well, yes, but hopefully most of those folks did their math. Millions of those patients will show up without insurance. Math still matters. You still have to do math. Unfortunately, Dave does not do math at this point because, of course, when people show up in the emergency room and get treated, of course, the cost is passed on to you through higher insurance premiums. And the other thing he seems to fail to notice is the fact that uh, these folks, if they had health insurance, would probably be more likely to go to a doctor when they needed it instead of waiting for their condition to get so bad that they have to go to the emergency room. Math still matters. Yeah, Dave, I get that. That's what I'm trying to do here. You still have to do math. Yeah, 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 I know. that. That's what I'm trying to do. Because the amount of money that that insurance company was paying out to the medical community is going to go way up. They're not going to pay more out to the medical community per person than they ever have before. Except the Congressional Budget Office, who do math, as far as I understand, uh, looked at this and said that, no, this will actually drive health care costs down over the next five or six years because the cost not only will be spread out, but with preventative measures that people will be taking who do have pre-existing conditions, it, we won't be giving people medical care through the emergency room, which is the least efficient way possible to deliver medical care. 
So translation is your health insurance premiums are going to go way up. They have to. It's not a mad about it. It's not a political statement. It's that I know how to do math. So why aren't you doing any? That that doesn't make any sense to me. And so you are going to pay for it. Well, I don't have a job. I live off the government. Okay, you're not going to pay for it. The rest of us are going to pay for you. 46% of Americans pay no federal income tax. The rest of us support you on all the things that the federal government does. Which, of course, is rubbish because these people are paying all sorts of other taxes. They are still having money taken out of their check, even though they're going to get it all back uh, in the form of a tax refund. But that's giving the government an interest-free loan, see, because I can do math, see. So these people are, are, you know, there are some people that are maybe completely off the grid and are, are, are taped. But, you know, that's, you're just going to have that in a large system. Well, so then uh, we really get down to the, the nuts and bolts of this thing. And so the more we look into Obamacare, the more we realize that we're being forced to do this. You don't have an option. And wait for it. I feel like communism. There it is. And Dave, could you make an even more ridiculous comparison to wrap this up? Some of you don't like guns. I'm a gun collector. I believe in the Second Amendment. Some of you don't like guns. What if we passed a law that said everyone has to get a gun? It's a freedom and it's a right now. But what if we changed it and made it mandatory? You wouldn't like that, would you? Yes, except nobody ever lost their house and went into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt because they didn't have a gun, you idiot. Matt Bronger is a comedian best known for his work on the late great Mad TV on Fox, and he's also known for headlining clubs across the country. Here is our interview with Matt Bronger. Joining us on PF Tape Recorder, it's Matt Bronger. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. How's things? Things are really good. Now, uh, as I understand it, you are uh, originally from one of my favorite towns, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, that's where I was born. Well, just outside. Okay. And um, But you didn't uh, live there for very long, I guess. No, two years. Oh, okay. Two years. All right. So uh, you wound up going uh, where? Uh, well, my parents moved us to uh, Santa Barbara for about a year, year and a half, and then we went to Portland, where I grew up. Oh, okay. And uh, so what's it like growing up in Portland? Uh, well, it's a different place. I mean, and now it's a, it's a really fun place, but back then it was, uh, you know, just a, I mean, to me it was just normal, and it was, uh, you know, just an interesting place to, uh, to live, just a, a good place full of nice people, but, you know, coming out of there you realize it's, it's, it's a little weirder than some it really embraces the art which is a good thing but also you know brings out the weirdos but it's uh it was a good place yeah it was a great place to grow up it's kind of become uh one of those hipster places along uh, the lines of like austin or seattle but it seems to have kind of uh just recently become uh a, a hipster favorite spot i guess yeah well i mean it, it's kind of always had that this kind of youth culture with bands and things, but it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very much uh, a lot of things in common with, with places like Austin, Seattle, Athens, Georgia. Uh, oh, there you where, go, yeah. You know, 
people kind of do their own thing, you know. So what was it like uh, getting interested in comedy there? Were you always interested, a fan of comedy, watching it growing up, like stand-up or Saturday Night Live? How did you uh, get interested in comedy? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I was always into, into comedy and you know, sneaking downstairs and watching Saturday Night Live, you know, in secret behind my parents' heads when I was supposed to be asleep. And, um, you know, watching, you know, I, I was... I played George Carlin's album Class Clowns so much I pretty much wore it out and huh. uh, I didn't actually start I was always uh, doing plays and, and things like that in Portland and uh, and then in New York where I went to college it wasn't until I got to Chicago that I actually started doing um, doing stand up I moved back to Chicago um, it's weird to say back because yeah. I was what you know 21 uh, after being two there the time before but I did move there to just kind of uh, uh, find my voice, I guess, to start like, you know, doing, uh, small theaters and got into improv there, got into stand up. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't initially do stand up in Portland at all. So, was the plan to go to Chicago and do improv like Second City or Improv Olympic or something like that, or did you have more, you just Not more originally, plans? no. It was just to do, it's just to do, um, just to do theater. Basically, oh, okay. Just to do acting. And then I kind of, I, I fell into the improv scene because I was waiting tables with guys who did it. And it just uh-huh. was so fun. And I, was, I tried it and it just got hooked. Okay. And so when did stand up uh, figure into the mix? Uh, it was probably like the third or fourth year I was in, in Chicago, probably the third. And um, uh, I just, I, I started going to open mics and just, you know, the attention uh, craving only child in me just loved the fact that I was the only person up there and it's, it's <laughs> something I always wanted to try I just never really knew how to go about it you know aha uh-huh. so we're talking about mid 90s here uh, late late, late 90s. 90s okay probably like I probably started like 99 okay because um, Chicago now is uh, becoming much more known as a stand-up town uh, almost as much as it is for being an improv and theater town oh absolutely yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of great stand-ups there and it's there are uh, more venues and opening, whereas when I was there, we, there was just one, uh, which you you know you'd go do a guest set there, but then you had to go do stuff at like um, uh, uh, bars and stuff to, to yeah. work out your your stuff, and they, and and still have all those obviously too that you can still go do stand up in. Yeah, but yeah, there's a, a great scene there. So when did you leave Chicago? I left Chicago in two thousand uh, end of two thousand two, and then. Moved to Los Angeles in 2003. Okay. And uh, when you showed up in Los Angeles, the plan there was that to pursue acting or stand-up or just kind of see what happened? All of it, yeah. Uh, acting, stand-up, writing. Um, I, felt, I felt like, you know, it, it comes down to this decision you have to make of whether you want to, if you wanted to translate to something else, you want to either go to New York or Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, I just felt, had much more opportunities. And I'm, I've always just been more of a West Coast guy. Well, that's true. Yeah, um, I'm coming from Portland, and, and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. I lived in Santa Barbara yeah. for a year, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. There you go. So, uh, what, how did things develop for you once you got to Los Angeles? Like, what was for some of the first gigs that you got? Uh, well, you just you just kind of you know plow along doing these crappy open mics, um, and uh, you know do do them as often as you can, and then you you try to get noticed there. I was lucky enough to have a friend that ran a show at the at the uh, Hollywood Improv, and I did a um, I hosted a show there that went great, and so like I got a little bit of uh, notice from that, and um, you know there was there's and then after that just several years of kind of you toiling, uh, waiting for you know someone to to to, to notice you, you know it's it's kind of it, people always kind of want to 
make a shortcut and just go like, look, I just want it to happen now, and I yeah. want to get manager and agent and all that jazz. But you really like, you know, uh, 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 Dan Harmon had a great analogy for it. It's just like when you're a kid and you're lost, and your mom is like, if you get lost, just stay where you are. I'll find you. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing. Oh. Just, you just have to keep being, you know, get better and better and better and better until they just find you rather than seek them out and go, I'm telling you, I'm awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Hmm. So it, it's it's just kind of a, you know, and, and, and that's good because you're not doing it for the love of it if you're doing it for, I mean, in this day and age, if you're doing it for a quick buck, you're, you're SOL because there's not, they're not just throwing sitcoms around with like, Oh, yeah. You really, they have to, have to love, you know. Yeah, and well, with the internet, you can, you know, you can do it for the love of it and do it pretty easily you know, by making videos or doing podcasts uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. There's so many, you know, there's, there's so many um, platforms. You know, I, I think the thing you just have to be careful about is um, make sure you, you, you know, you put a decent platform out there. I, yeah. I had to, for the longest, for, uh, at least in the, in the um, early days of, of being in Los Angeles, I would just, you know, let people take my stand-up or, you know, and like, go ahead, put it online. I don't care. And then, you know, five, six years later, you see yourself doing this half-ass set, and that's the first thing that comes up when people put your name in. To oh, yeah, because it's been on there so long. I, uh-huh. So I, I actually had to go around and, and take down uh, some stuff a couple of years ago. Not only because it was, I mean, there were one or two sets I wasn't happy with, or no, none I was just, you know, eating it or anything like that, but it was uh, just... You know, I, I wasn't, you know, happy with the set as much. But it was also, like, my hair way longer. I was, like, you know, 30, 40 pounds heavier than I am now. So, it's like, you know, you, it's like you, you kind of see it and wince. So you, it's not even an industry thing. You're just like, I just don't want that coming up. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see that. So That's good advice, actually. Don't be afraid to take stuff down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't be afraid to take stuff down, and don't be afraid to say no. Yeah. Because you feel like I mean that's kind of how you increase your, you know, don't be don't be a prude about things and don't think you're way too cool for all kinds of stuff. But I I, I had a friend who um who moved to Los Angeles and she's a very attractive woman and and you know she did modeling and stuff and she used to be in stage shows in Las Vegas and she got to L A and then she was just green like did not know anything about it and so guy was like oh like she was like hey, you want to put me in this web series. And I wouldn't, you know, I, I like, there's no pay, but, and I'm like, what is this for? And I'm grooming her about this all the stuff. She's like, I don't know, I just want to, and I'm just like, look, it sounds shady as hell. Yeah. Just don't do it. You know, don't, you don't, you don't have to say yes to everything, and, and you shouldn't. Ah, you know? that's very good. But not something we hear very often here, actually. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks to get offered something and then just and be like, no, I don't think that's right for me, because, you, you know, it would be working then. Yeah, although no. a, a lot of people do opt to not be on this podcast, so. <laughs> but, few, but, but fewer well, and fewer. I mean, you know, maybe they're busy and maybe well, they're lazy. I don't know. You yeah. Know, so you, never, you never can. So, uh, sometimes, and, and sometimes people, uh, you know, will do, you know, uh, 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 do a, a podcast that isn't, they don't really work on it and they don't really, you know, put it out there or promote it. And they're just like, you know, I mean, I've had people that are like, oh, can you do my podcast? Um, you'd have to get to my house way yeah. out in the sticks. And it's, just, it's like, I'm no, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this uh, cool city and I'm, I'm doing comedy and I, I want to explore. I've never yeah. been in the city, so I want to wander around. I don't want to, a huge chunk of my time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, but, uh, but, but, 
the, Sorry, go ahead. The thing I have trouble with is uh, occasionally we, we have a segment we call the, the dumb bit, which we do almost every week, where it's just what it sounds like. It's me be doing a dumb bit, uh, comedy bit, and I often will need a, a female voice. And uh, I know a lot of comedians in town here in Cincinnati, and I'll, hey, you, and they'll be like, nah, nah, I really can't. And so then I have to draft uh, one of my daughters in, and they don't want to do it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they reluctantly will play along. So, but, yeah, it's. I mean, it's just like when uh, you, you'll run into that problem with you know when you try to make a short film or like or something online, and you're like, oh, I really need a kid. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Asking your friends who have a kid, and the kids like, I don't want to do it. You know, it's it's that's a that's a common problem people run into, and they want to use you know a voice they don't have or a uh, uh, an uh, an an actor they don't have. Oh. That that being said, I did Twitter source uh, a guy. I mean, I could do a, a, an English accent okay, but it's still me doing an English accent. I wanted a different voice. And I Twitter sourced, uh, so I just need somebody to do an English accent. I'm hoping for an Englishman, but I got a guy in Indiana that just did. He just had to say one line. It was a tagline for a bit we call, um, what kind of nonsense is that? And uh, did a nice job. And, you know, it was, so it, it sometimes it works the opposite way. You can find people uh, all kinds of weird ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just, it just, you know, just takes a little effort. You can you can generally find it. And you can generally find people that, you know. I think most people, if they if as long as you're not asking them to do like porn or something. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it's and you're not really taking advantage of that. If you put it as simple as like, look, I can't pay you, but I'm not making money either. It's like okay, then let's do it. You know, it'll you know why not? Yeah. So, so was Mad TV like your first uh, so-called big break? Would you say? I you know I wouldn't say I I think. Well, I guess they came along the same the same time, but yes, I would say Matt TV and uh, when I did stand up on on, on Letterman, but they, those they, those happened the same year, okay, on the same the same time. But uh, Matt TV happened uh, first because I was I remember I had um, I was doing the Nebraska this Nebraska comedy festival in in uh, Johnny Carson's hometown they do every year. All right, yeah, and they bring in a bunch of comedians and it's ostensibly a competition, but you basically it's basically like doing a festival. And I'd hurt my leg, and so I was on crutches. And I remember I was backstage, and something was wrong with my phone service. Like, I didn't want to answer the phone, and I just got this message that was like, hey, you booked it, call us back or something. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, hey, I just got, I'm got cast on Mad TV, and I realized, I'm like, I'm feel, I sound like a crazy person. I'm sitting here on crutches, you know, backstage with all these other comedians, and I'm <laughs> They basically probably thought I was like delirious or something. I had taken some kind of strange <laughs> uh, painkilling drug for my leg. It was just such a surreal moment. But yeah, I, I guess that would be. I guess that would be the, the the big break. Unfortunately, it got canceled after that season. But hey, what are you gonna do? So did they come looking for you, or did you have to audition for it, or did they invite you to audition for it? How did that process work? Oh yeah, I, well I got invited to audition, but they um it was it was a it was a strange process because I didn't really do. I'd done a lot of sketch, but not a lot of character work, and I didn't do any impressions. So it was, uh, you know, I, I would go, I basically made up a couple impressions and made up a couple characters and went in, and uh, the casting lady uh, who was, was a big fan, so she would kind of coach me and be like, here's what they're looking for. Oh, okay. Uh, you should do more of this, a little of this. Uh, and, and, and um yeah, it, it just, it just, I just kept going in, kept going in, kept. I probably went in probably six times. Wow, for it. Yeah, you'll. It, it's, I, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you. It, it's funny. I was talking to my therapist, and he was like, he's like, I don't know how you can take 
the, 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 the constant rejection that is just part, you know, uh, part, part and parcel of, of, of Hollywood. Uh, and I was like, well, the ironic thing is I want more opportunities to get re- rejected. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, yeah. I want to keep going in. I want to, you know, I want to go in for more and more stuff. And I feel like I think that's how all working actors are. Uh, you just, you, the rejection is just part of it. You just, you, you go and even if you nail it in the room, you don't, you know, you've got a little glimmer of hope, but you just expect it a no just by the odds. Yeah. Because if you're not a famous person and they haven't offered it to you, you know it's not yours. And even if you, I, bet I had a friend who, went in probably five or six times for this lead in a sitcom and he basically had the role they didn't tell him he had it but they're like you know they're, they're they love you and blah 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 but and then just found out the next week they just offered it for this famous guy you know yeah they're just like you know it's, it's you kind of it's, all you can do is the best you can do and then that's it worrying doesn't help and getting mad doesn't help it's just you know it is what it is. Yeah. Well, every no is one step closer to a yes. <laughs> yeah, and, a, exactly. and a set of steak knives and an El Dorado. And um, another thing mm-hmm. I've heard a lot, and, and they say this, uh, I've heard this on other, like, uh, people say this on Marin's podcast a lot and on Pardo's is, you know, because a lot of people that are in the business also listen to those shows is that, you know, if you didn't get it, you, you just it just wasn't for you. You know, you weren't what they were looking yeah. for. Because yeah, a lot I mean, of times they know right the when you walk in. It. They have I mean, an idea. I, yeah. I, I, I knew a guy who was, um, uh, Bill Craig Anton, who's a very funny uh, actor comedian. He was, I, far as I've heard, the director's choice, uh, he, who he wanted to cast as Andy Kaufman in the Man in the Moon movie. Oh but wow! What are they going to What are they going to toss him out? What are they going to be like? No, no, sorry, Jim Carrey. <laughs> like you yeah. open this movie huge. You are the pinnacle of your stardom. This guy does a way better Andy Kaufman than you. No, they're not. No, you know, and so you could argue and say like, well, that was, that was that role was Craig's. Like, not really. Yeah, and, you know, and then you just move on. And yeah. I can't. I would if I found that would be such a kick in the balls to get that kind of news. But yeah, know? that would that's pretty brutal. But yeah, it's you know <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what kind of projects do you would you like to work on that you haven't yet tackled yet that uh, you'd like to you know run your comedy through? Well, it's interesting. I um, I'm pitching a, a show idea right now around town, and uh, I'd love for that to get you know a script deal or, or picked up because I, the last thing I worked on, the last thing I pitched around town was the uh, the pilot I had at Comedy Central with um, with Kyle Kinane, and that was great. But it was cable, and this this idea is a little more network based, so it it could be a re- it, it originally was a really good cable idea. So that's kind of like right now the pie in the sky thing I'm I'm pitching around, and other than that, just um. Uh, you know, uh, try to get some more of my writing out there, which I've been working on. Um, maybe do uh, some kind of you know comical book in the next uh, next uh, year or two. And um, other than that, just you know, stand on the grind. I have a new hour, so I'll be making a new uh, album and special in in the coming months. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, just um, just just staying busy basically I don't, I don't really have like a thing like oh man if i could only do that because i feel like it's it's you know it's, it's good to dream but it's better to work so you just try to I, I if i i feel like as much as they told you told us as kids like you gotta have goals yeah yeah but you know i feel like once you give yourself 
you know, a, a goal like a goal like like we were talking about in terms of auditions and in terms of uh, roles. Of you, you have no control over getting cast. So to have a goal like I want to star in a blockbuster movie is just crazy to me because yeah. you're just setting yourself up for a disappointment. To me, that's like having your, my goal is to win the lottery. You know, I, I think if you have goals like you know I want to I want to write a, a funny book or I want to have a, a, a my I want my next comedy album to be better than my first two. Um, that's the kind of thing you can control. I think manageable goals. Yes. Yes, yeah. but, you know, I mean, definitely keep dreaming. Just don't, I don't know, people that put post-it notes around their apartments that say starring in a sitcom by 2012 or 2014, it's just, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I was talking to Andy Kindler <laughs> once. I think one of his first appearances on the show, he's been on twice, actually, and uh, he was he was on this big kick of making fun of people who say, when I do get to the Montreal Comedy Festival, and saying things like that, which is hilarious. He spent the whole interview doing stuff like that because he was on a big kick. You know, uh-huh. he gets focused on things like that, where he just, the thing he's really making fun of, he'll laser beam in on, and that's all he talks about. But, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, all right, man. So sure. people come in to see you in Minneapolis and other places, of course. We'll be hearing a lot of the new hour, I take it, then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got a lot of new stuff uh, for people. I haven't um, been back to Minneapolis in some time, and I'm, I'm excited to go back. It's one of my favorite towns. Um, and, I, and I get to finally play Acme, which I never have. So that's, hey, that was always a goal of mine. There you go. So that's, there, there you go. Then I need to add uh, um, uh, one of the clubs here in Cincinnati, uh, possibly Go Bananas, and uh, you'd you, be all set. Oh, yeah, I've, I've played Go Bananas. Go Bananas is one of the all-time best clubs I've ever played. I've okay. Played when were you but here? I played there a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm looking forward to being back in the area. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man. Great, dude. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. You, uh, you have a great one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Matt Bronger for being on the show. You can catch Matt, oh gosh, all over the place. This week he's at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City. I believe it is on Wednesday, Thursday. I think he's in D.C. and on Friday in Boston. For all things Matt Bronger, just go to mattbronger.com. It's got a tour link right there. You can see where he's playing in your neck of the woods, as Willard Scott would say. All right, uh, just a couple of closing orders of business. Thanks again to all the rock-solid fans who tuned in last week for the Pat Francis interview. Hopefully you found your way back to the show and enjoyed an episode and went back and cherry-picked through the archives and all that. So uh, please stay with us, as Ira Glass would say. And let me see, like this podcast on Facebook, PF Tape Recorder. Just look for it in the search bar on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66, PF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter. Uh, Dan and Logan's podcast, Magic Potion, is available in iTunes for all things. They're kind of like, it's kind of like a techie podcast, if you will. Let me see what else. Oh, music uh, for PS Tape Recorder composed and performed by John Veropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. And that is all the business we have for this week, other than to say so long and thanks for listening. (laughs) 